While Christians are awaiting the second coming, a growing number of Israelites around the world think the first is underway. One Israeli rabbi claims to be taking greetings with Messiah. Judgment day is upon us, he says. Interesting times indeed. Breaking news from Israel, the Messiah has come. I know what you may be thinking, this is just the Jewish equivalent of end-time prophecies gone awry. But no, it's coming from one of the top Orthodox Jewish rabbis in the world, Haim Konevsky, on record that he's been meeting with the Messiah, who remains unidentified as of yet. He says the judgment of God is on the way, but will happen quickly. Stay prepared, indeed. Now more than ever, Israel needs a prophetic voice, a voice that proclaims the Messiah has come. He saved his people, and he's returning soon. His coming won't be secret or a matter of backroom meetings. The trump will sound, all will bow, Christ will be glorified. Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris, where we get to share every day the great story that's all about Jesus And we're in the middle of a series here this week towards the end of August called Come Quickly, Lord. I'm thinking of lampstands, the abyss, Armageddon, trumpets and bowls, Babylon, symbols of these and many more fill the final book of God's Word, the revelation of Jesus Christ. It can be daunting, and many people shy away from even reading it. But it's the one book in the Bible that comes with the promise of reading it. John writes in Revelation 1, Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. And Karen Heimbach was inspired with a great idea as she continued reading this verse. You're especially blessed if what you hear or read, you heed, you mm-hmm. obey. Yes. That's the major blessing. And so I thought, you know, I could, uh, I could be that voice that reads the scriptures to them and do it in in such a way where it would be palatable to the listener Mm -hmm. and they would just get it. Karen Heimbach from a famous church in Hollywood, Church on the Way, and in just a moment you're going to hear more from her dynamic reading of the Revelation. Feeling called by God to memorize the book, she recites the entire final book of the Bible, set to a musical score performed by the world-renowned London Symphony Orchestra. It's compelling and is brought to life in a powerful two-CD set. As you listen to God's Word spoken aloud with this orchestra underneath, you're going to be blessed because the Bible says you will be. After the program, I'd like to send you the revelation for your minimum gift to Haven today. It's an expensive production, but it's a worthwhile effort. So your generous gift will be a blessing to us, but also to you. Call us after the program, won't you? At 800-654-2836. 800-654-2836. Or go online and check out a short video on our website on the making of the Revelation Project, and then you can send your gift. And you can do that when you visit us at haventoday.org, haventoday.org. And if you've heard me talk about it the last couple of weeks but didn't get around to asking for your copy of Spurgeon's Sorrows, 
realistic hope for those who suffer from depression. We still have it for your gift to the ministry. Now let's open with Nicole Sponberg and All Things New. This old earth is fading Jesus gave to all his people. He will make all things new. And that was Nicole Sponberg. And this is a program called Come Quickly, Lord. 
In the next few minutes, we're going to hear from Karen Heimbach as she dramatically reads from Revelation 9 on the wedding feast of the Lamb. It has to be one of the most important descriptions in all the Bible, a description of the final day in all of Scripture. Now, this juxtaposes the fall of the evil world system opposing the church of Jesus Christ. And the evil world is pictured as a great prostitute. With the consummation of the church of Jesus, there will be a wedding day. Even now, the church is already called the bride of Christ, but the big day is yet to come. What's on the to-do list once a couple gets engaged? They set a date, and that's what we all want to know. When's the big day? But this is a wedding day for which we cannot set the date. But this hasn't stopped people from trying. Time and again, it's proven to do more harm than good. On the line with us from San Diego and Bethel Seminary is Professor Mark Strauss. He's a New Testament scholar, but more than that, he's a Bible translator. And Mark, thank you so much for joining me again. My pleasure, Charles. I was just reading this the other day, and I never knew this of how through the centuries, even Christian scholars, maybe some were not such scholars, but Christians have tried to date the return of the Lord. One of the early Christian leaders, Taconius, dated Christ's return for 381 A.D., and of course it didn't happen. Did it happen more than just 381 A.D.? Has it happened all the way through the centuries? And what do you think about trying this kind of an approach to um, the return of the Lord? dating his return well yes it has it's happened throughout throughout history and you can you can um, trace the whole trajectory of church history and see time and time again into the modern era as you said it has been destructive for the christian faith i think jesus made it clear when he said in his his discourse on the mount of olives that even the son did not know the time of his return only the (laughs) father knew the angels didn't know the son didn't know and so we should not be setting dates Uh, it's it's not for us to decide or to determine. Jesus said at the beginning of the book of Acts, of course, his, his disciples were expecting the kingdom to arrive now that he'd, he's risen from the dead. And they said, is it at this time that you're going to establish the kingdom? And Jesus said, again, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons uh, that the Father has established. So we've been commanded not to do that, not to set dates. But I do think it has been destructive throughout church history because because often it changes people's behavior in some ways. Um, mm-hmm. I'm thinking, for example, of of the Millerites in the um, 1800s. Who uh, William Miller was a Baptist preacher who became convinced through a, a series of numerology, basically, that he could determine the exact day. The Millerites, then his followers, many of them sold their property. They went out to the proverbial hill and waited for Christ to return. What followed was known as the Great Disappointment, as as of course Christ did not return. Many lost their livelihood. Many lost their faith over over this. And so mm. it has been a destructive influence throughout history when people try to set dates and don't do what Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, which is, it's not for you to know the time. Instead, you will be my witnesses proclaiming the gospel message to others. That's to be our focus, not to, not to become obsessed with date setting and trying to establish specifics. Amen to that, Mark. Thanks so much for sharing with us on Haven Today. Dr. Mark Strauss is a Bible translator. He's a New Testament scholar in San Diego. And I'm Charles Morris with a program called Come Quickly, Lord. The great disappointment has happened far too often. If we stop setting dates, 
and instead waits for the Lord expectantly, bearing witness to the salvation found in Jesus while inviting others to this coming feast. Whenever the day comes, we'll be better by far. Now, I've already said this week that revelation is meant to be heard, meant to be seen with the mind's eye as we hear the vision John received. Why is this picture of the wedding feast so rich and powerful? Well, I want you to listen to Revelation 19, 1 through 10, and then I want us to think about it together. In the New International Version, English translation, the heading for this reading is Threefold Hallelujah Over Babylon's Fall. After this I heard what sounded like the roar of a great multitude in heaven shouting, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God, for true and just are his judgments. He has condemned the great prostitute who corrupted the earth by her adulteries. He has avenged on her the blood of his servants. And again they shouted, Hallelujah! The smoke from her goes up forever and ever. The twenty-four elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God who was seated on the throne. And they cried, Amen! Hallelujah! Then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him, both small and great. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters, and like loud peals of thunder, shouting, Hallelujah! For our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of the saints. Then the angel said to me, Write, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, These are the true words of God. At this I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, Do not do it. I am a fellow servant with you and with your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Karen Heimbach, from her two CD set called The Revelation, reading Revelation 19, 1 through 10, music played underneath by the London Symphony Orchestra and recorded at the Abbey Road Studio. We often think of the marriage supper of the Lamb on its own. But hearing it in context helps to highlight just what a big deal it is. The fall of Babylon was announced in Revelation 14.8. Now it's finally happened. And in chapter 19 of Revelation, God's people rejoice in our victory? No, God's victory. As my friend Dr. Dennis Johnson, another New Testament scholar, puts it, with the kingdom comes the wedding, with the destruction of the harlot comes the presentation of the bride. Let's consider a few things together from Revelation 19. First, what is this picture of an evil woman represented throughout the book of Revelation as Babylon and a great prostitute? What does that image mean? There are, of course, many different approaches to interpreting Revelation and where to place various things in John's vision on the timetable of what's to come. I'm not trying to advocate one view from another here, but there is one thing scholars from differing viewpoints agree on. It's the big picture. 
Whether speaking of something yet to come in the future or something that's already going on in the world, the heart of the matter with what the vision depicts as Babylon is idolatry, false worship, rebellion against God. As John MacArthur points out, before it was called the ancient city of Babylon, there was right there in the same place as the city, the more ancient Tower of Babel, a scene of outright defiance against God and a people filled with pride. And we know God stopped that pride in its tracks. I could not help but think of that when I was in the ancient city of Nimrud. It's where Nimrod would walk out and walk up to the top of a tell or a a large hill and would shake his fist at Almighty God and say, I'm stronger than you. And so to first century Christians being oppressed and persecuted, they could connect immediately with this image of Babylon, which is modern-day Iraq, that ancient empire that had long ago persecuted God's people in the Old Testament. So wherever you place it on a timeline, the truth of Babylon's fall is God's victory over evil, over the impurity and faithlessness that stands against God and against his people. It's right in the middle of the Hallelujah Chorus over God's victory and evil's fall, that we find a different woman described, a pure bride made ready for this wedding feast. Revelation nineteen six through 8, Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder shouting, Hallelujah! For our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us reign and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given for her to wear. The first woman is described as impure, leading the world into impurity. But the bride that I just described in reading Scripture is described in fine linen, bright and clean, The cup of God's wrath was poured out against the first woman, but the bride is welcome to a rich feast in the presence of the Lord. The first woman representing those who serve idols and oppose God, she doesn't fear the Lord, but in chapter 19, verse 5, God's servants are called those who fear God and praise his name. Those are the ones who God blesses with an invitation to the wedding feast of the Lamb. There's an interesting line at the end of verse 8. It describes the fine linen that's given to the bride. We read, fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. That might make you a little uncomfortable. Is John saying that we earn our place at the feast? That we stand in the presence of the Lord by our own good works? No, no. That's not what he's saying at all. The voice John hears says, His bride has made herself ready, but in the same breath says that this fine linen dress of righteousness was given to her to wear. The language draws from Isaiah 61.10, where Jesus is the one speaking, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest, And as a bride adorns herself with her jewels, that righteousness given to Christ is given to us in him. All who believe in Jesus are called his bride. And we await that wonderful day to come, come soon, when we finally see him face to face, celebrating together 
this rich feast of mercy and grace that he is giving to us. When the stars burn down and the earth wears out and we stand before the throne with the witnesses who have gone before we will rise and all applaud. called The Worship Initiative, When the Stars Burn Down by Shane and Shane here on Haven Today. Well, as you've heard already this week, there is only one book of the Bible that comes with a promise of blessing. And despite the images that can escape us when we first read it, Revelation 1-3 comes with this promise. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. And blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what's written in it, because the time is near. As we listen to this inspired revelation of God's holy word, written to show us Jesus and God's victory over evil through Christ alone, we're blessed. Would you like to be blessed? Would you like to be encouraged that the return of Christ is soon? 
then I want to send you right away a copy of the two-CD set called The Revelation by my friend Karen Heimbach. It's well-produced, but it was also expensively produced. And so I'm asking for you to help us out with as generous gift as you possibly can. But I really want to get this to you so that you can be blessed from this powerful presentation, listening to word for word God's holy word in his final book. It will be a blessing for you. The Bible says it will be. Seema in Florida wrote in and told us this week, I used to be fearful of reading Revelation because of what others told me. But after hearing Karen Heimbach's Revelation, I was so happy and joyful. Seema now plans to study the book by listening to the album. Thank you so much, and I know you will be blessed. Well, I want you to be blessed as well. So would you call us right now? Our number is 800 654 2836, 800-654-2836, or head over to our website and watch the special short feature of the making of the Revelation Project with Karen Heimbach talking about it and behind-the-scenes footage with Karen recording live in the Abbey Road studio in England. Our website is haventoday.org, haventoday.org. And if you or someone you know is dealing with depression during this COVID-19 summer, I'd like to send you a copy of the book called Spurgeon's Sorrows, Realistic Hope for Those Who Suffer from Depression. Even that great preacher, Charles Spurgeon, struggled with depression. And this helpful book will show you or someone you know how he found hope in Christ alone. I'm Charles Morris. Thank you so much for joining me. Won't you come back again tomorrow when again we get to share together the great story that's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with God, this is David Wolin with Haven Ministries inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. One day the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? It seems they were hoping Jesus might name one of them, but instead he put a young child before them and said, Unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. What is it exactly about little children that makes them different from the rest of us? The passage makes it clear. Children are helpless and needy. They can't get along in this world without someone to parent them. And that's exactly how Jesus wants us to come to him, laying down our accomplishments and self-sufficiency, to be totally dependent upon him. You can start receiving Anchor Devotional in print monthly at getanchor.com.